Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. What do you saw the line? It's a bit of a homecoming in a way. I used to do this slot for many years chatting about the VFL. I speak of Nigel Carmody, who's part of Channel 7's VFL commentary team, and he joins us on the line. Nigel, thanks for your time. Hey, Damien. Well put. A bit of a homecoming indeed. <laughs> uh, nice to be back on SEN and... Nice to be talking, to be frank. I was laid up in bed with food poisoning yesterday, so I'm oh, no. better than I was 24 hours ago. And after, uh, unfortunately, missing my racing.com commitments yesterday, I'm looking forward to a big weekend of Flemington Saturday and then Carlton Sunday for our 7 VFL game between the Blues and Sandy, which on paper looks a cracker. Oh, absolutely. Uh, gee, I hope you're all right. The voice sounds good, which is the main thing, because we love your calling capabilities, as we know. It's going to be intriguing to see how the Casey Demons continue to perform, because they've been pretty consistent. Probably the only two times they've shown elements of vulnerability. Ironically enough, one of those came against Essendon, where they only won by three points, and the Bombers at VFL level had not won a game this season so far. And the other time was maybe against the Box Hill Hawks going a few weeks back, where the Hawks hit the front probably at the 10-minute mark of the last quarter and the Demons, mainly through the aid of Kate Chandler, managed to remain composed and steer to victory by, I think it was about nine points. Can the Demons be beaten? I think there's still some sense of vulnerability there. It's just they seem to remain composed when they are tested. Yeah, I think your point at the beginning with your introduction in that their performance at the moment is very reflective of where their AFL Mm. side is at and Casey have been a very consistent team, perhaps across the last decade, to be frank, and almost for the duration of their alignment with Melbourne that dates back to sort of the late 2000s. They've been a consistent final team, even when Melbourne haven't necessarily been at the sharper end of things in the AFL. But I think you can draw some real clear parallels between Richmond, AFL, VFL of 17, 18 and 19 and what we're seeing right now from the Melbourne-Casey alignment on both sides of it. In some respects, though, this weekend and this round nine is is moving weekend in, in some respects for the teams because we have... Casey, the top side in the competition, undefeated, and Collingwood in second, both having buys. Now, Correct. every team's ultimately going to end up on the same number of home and away matches. But I think psychologically, a few teams will feel like they can make some ground this weekend with the top two having a rest. And yeah, again, your point regarding Casey having some vulnerabilities, I think, is reflective of the evenness of the competition. And yes, Essendon are zip and seven on the season, and they've been unfortunately smashed by injury and availability at times. We saw that firsthand in our match two weeks ago when they played Box Hill, who have really started to hit some form in the last month. And Essendon, of course, had those five outs as a result of the flu going through their mm. AFL team, leading into that fantastic win against Hawthorne at AFL level. But what that meant the following days, the Bombers had five really good players ripped out of their VFL team as a result. And then clearly they were struggling for depth. So... Hopefully a win's not too far away for them, and I'm sure Casey would be hoping a loss isn't too far away, but I think there's probably an inevitability about that as well. 
Yeah, that's right. We're speaking with Nigel Carmody. If you want to send in a text message, feel free on the temper text machine, 0433981116. Now, we'll get into the actual games themselves, round nine action, and an interesting one. We'll start off with your match of the day on Sunday on Channel 7's VFL coverage, Carlton taking on Sandringham. Both teams effectively coming off a bye, and Sandy, of course, had a pretty rudimentary win over the Northern Bullants, who, aside from that game against the Giants, where they were smashed by over 100 points, haven't been disgraced this season in most of their losses. The Blues have been pretty consistent, although, i tell you what, they had the absolute wind knocked out of them a couple of weeks ago when they led by eight goals at three-quarter time against Frankston. And for some, I don't know how, Frankston, who kicked three goals to three-quarter time, kicked ten goals in the last term to snatch a remarkable victory. So the Blues, in a way, would be smarting about that and be keen to atone. So that'll be interesting to see how they shape up in the early minutes, in particular, against Sandy. Yeah, both teams, as you mentioned, coming off the bye. And Carlton left Frankston Park with his tail between their legs a couple of Saturday nights ago. It would have been a fairly sullen drive back to wherever they were going post that performance. But again, reflective of where Frankston are at this season under Danny Ryan. They're now four and three and very much a finals contender. Carlton are the number one possession team in the competition. They're averaging 21 possessions a game more than any other team in the competition. And you only have to comb through the composition of their side at the moment. Will Hayes, who's obviously had... A great tenure in the VFL North of 100 games. Of course, most of those coming with Footscray, but now part of Carlton set up. He's averaging 33 possessions a game this year and has been brilliant for him really wherever they've decided to slide him across the course of the season. But the strength of their team at the moment when you consider they're calling on the likes of Paddy Dow, uh, Will Setterfield as well, there's real strength in that team at the moment, but they've got a very strong composition of VFL-listed players. And I think they've recruited really shrewdly in in the last couple of years as they've set their program up under Daniel O'Keefe. And I don't think there's been a more effective forward in the competition than Ben Crocker in the last two years, 29 goals last year and 19 from his seven this season. He's in a, a super vein of form at the moment as well. And from a Sandringham point of view, well, it's perhaps a little bit a mirror image of Carlton. They perhaps don't have the same depth of experience in their VFL listed players. Goy Lockett north of 50 games and Sam Donnell, who's part-time player and part-time coach and almost seems to be putting to the, the team for Jake Batchelor only when required if they don't perhaps have the, the structure of their team right. Apart from that, they're a pretty young group, but they're, they're playing some really good footy at the moment. And, and again, you can see the, the strands of their team coming together. But again, St Kilda are in good form at AFL level at the moment, and that's keeping some reasonable talent like the likes of Tom Highmore in the VFL side at the moment. And again, I think if you look through both Carlton and St Kilda's emergency list for the AFL games they're both playing this weekend. And it is, again, perhaps reflective of the strength they've got at VFL level. That's right. You mentioned Highmore. He was brilliant in defence a couple of weeks ago against the Bullands. Likewise with Liner, who was arguably best on the ground. He just continued to accumulate possessions. We're speaking with Nigel Carmody, Channel 7 VFL commentator. <laughs> Already off the text machine, people are asking for your best on Saturday in the racing. I knew that would happen, which is fantastic. <laughs> uh, we might My get normal to response to that, Damien, is uh, I delegate to our experts. I'm purely there to host, so I'd say it's... Uh... Clint Hudson or Ben Ascari or any of the other well, experts yeah. on racing.com are the ones to follow.
Oh, fantastic. Uh, in terms of the matches to come this weekend as well, Richmond take on Essendon and the curtain raiser to the dream time at the G game. Can the Bombers lift for the occasion, do you think? It'll be interesting to see how they go at the G. I'm not sure if too many people will be there early, but you might get a smattering of a crowd there at the G. And good experience, obviously. I think we've had just the one game from memory. Box Hill v Sandy being played at the G. And there's not too many. Casey take on Sydney from memory later on in the next couple of weeks. But there's not too many VFL games played in that traditional curtain raiser slot so it'll be a good experience for particularly some of the younger players there should be more it's the simplest form of Agreed. pre-match entertainment we've got and it's the best value as well don't worry there'll be people there to 245 bounce on saturday afternoon at the g and i think this is just magnificent programming the game quite easily it's a richmond home game it could have been played at punt road but pushing that game onto the mcg both teams are going to be wearing the Indigenous round strips as they are at AFL level as well. I think all those things together just makes the magnificent event that Dreamtime at the G is even better, hopefully. And what's better than seeing four quarters of footy, seeing eight, and even, you know, people might get along early, see the game, duck out for a little bit and enjoy some hospitality somewhere close to the MCG and then come back for all the build-up to the match itself. Can Essendon bounce back? Well, you'd imagine we're going to get a collective response from their football club this weekend based on what's happening at both AFL and VFL level at the moment. So you'd like to think so. Again, there's been some heartening performances, I think, from some Essendon VFL-listed players this season. Um, Joe Atley's, I think, led them really admirably of late, and they're giving opportunity to a lot of local products who are coming out of the Essendon District Football League and getting a taste of the next tier up, which I think is really, really important. The Tigers, well, they'll be smarting because they were in the in the lead for the opening three quarters last Sunday in our broadcast game at Box Hill, and the Hawks put them to the sword in the final quarter. And a lot of that was driven from the centre bounce where simply Box Hill got on top and took it out of the front of the stoppage, which we know is so devastating the way the game and the rules are structured at the moment as well. So watch for a bit of a response there. A play to watch from a Richmond point of view. I haven't had a chance to have a look at their AFL squad for the weekend, but really taken with Noah Cumberland's game on the weekend. He's kicked three goals in each of the last two VFL matches. You'd imagine he's not far off an AFL call-up. Yeah, Gibkiss and Robbie Tarrant coming into the AFL side for the Tigers of that dream time at the G game. Biggie Nguyen has been omitted, so you get the sense he might be playing in the VFL side come Saturday. And, yeah, Cumberland's been fantastic. I know he was out for a few weeks earlier in the season, but when he's on fire, he is on fire and certainly does make a contribution. I want to touch on Footscray v the Gold Coast just briefly, Nigel, because it's interesting with the Dogs. They're not going as well as they were last season in the VFL, but they've had a few smattering of players who've made a contribution coming up from VFL level to AFL level. You look at Karmas, obviously, Buku Karmas, who's really taken the competition by storm in many respects, and he was brilliant at VFL level earlier on in the season. And there's still a decent amount of depth there. Riley West has been pretty consistent around the middle of the ground at VFL level. Hayden Crozier is still there as well. So how do you make the Dogs VFL list, or what do you make of them so far this season and the way that they're performing, given they probably underperformed compared to last year? Oh, totally. And they'd be really surprised, I think, with their performance, particularly after being undefeated when the season ran aground last year due to COVID. They're 2-5 and at the moment. They sit in 15th spot on the ladder. And, yeah, it's completely not reflective of what their VFL program has delivered since they went standalone in 2014 with not just the two premierships, but also the smattering of players that have either supplied to the Western Bulldogs AFL side, all that have gone into the draft pool and gone and shown their wares elsewhere. Perhaps the positive story for the Bulldogs this season, much in the way that we've seen 
countless players, Will Hayes, Anthony Scott, and now obviously the latest graduate is Robbie McComb. Is Lockie Sullivan, who's had a brilliant season for them so far. He's averaging 28 possessions a game, and it's been a real leader for them, but he needs a few to jump on board, and no better time than this weekend against the Suns, who... Again, it's perhaps a bit repetitive of our conversation tonight, but the Suns program looking really promising at the moment in the BFL. Three and three, they're almost at parity in terms of percentage and in the losses they've had. They've been relatively competitive. Uh, if they can take this gap this weekend, they're another team that will put themselves in the positive and again in the finals conversation. Yeah, Robbie McComey, you mentioned before, it's a great story coming from local level effectively. He was playing for Vermont in the Eastern Football Netball League not too long ago and really progressed his way up the ranks. I want to touch on just briefly, Nige, the Northern Bull Ants are taking on Geelong on Sunday at Preston City Oval. They haven't been disgraced in my view at a lot of their losses, as I mentioned before, so far this season, and they celebrated their 140th anniversary uh, last weekend against Port Melbourne, where they went down, despite leading for a fair portion of the game. As a former player yourself at this level, what are your memories taking on the Bull Ants out at Kramer Street? Could it be an intimidating atmosphere? There's always a hard place to win, that's for sure. I can remember having a shot for goal outside 50 to try and win a game there one day, which unfortunately didn't have the trip or the accuracy. Uh, look, I think what the team out there, yeah, Shane Jowles, Josh Fraser last year, he's now obviously gone back into the AFL system, but Shane Jowles, Steve Nick and Steve Papel, who's been an incredible contributor, not just to the, the Northern Bull Ants Preston set up in recent years, but uh, I think the VFL as a whole, uh, uh, strong Preston is really important for the league and clearly its heritage, as you touch on, with the 140 years being celebrated. Paul Amy, who does a tremendous job covering not just the VFL, but yeah. local footy as well, particularly via his Twitter account, put up some great photos of their past players day last Sunday and, you know, greats like Jamie Shaw who got back and congregated there and, um, yeah, they're, John they're Burke building as well. nicely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's famous obviously for yes. being in Collingwood colours as well. But, yeah, I, and the guy I just continue to tip my lid to for his loyalty is Tom Wilson. He's, again, punching out a really strong season, averaging 20 kicks a game to be sort of in the, the top seven or eight in that statistic in the league and, he no doubt would have had opportunities at other stages to either go back to whether it's the Northern Footy League or the Eastern Footy League or perhaps somewhere else, or maybe even go to a program in the VFL that maybe has a greater chance of success than the Bullheads, but he's been incredibly loyal and such an important leader through turbulent waters for this football club, and hopefully uh, in his time there he's going to get rewarded. And, yeah, that's not going to be an easy trip for the catch out to Preston City Oval on Sunday. Off the SMS machine, the temper text machine, of course. Uh, Michael from Reservoir, Jalen Forth was going well for the Box Hill Hawks. Unfortunately, has been struck down with injury, was going well. He, of course, is the son of Alan Forth, who played a smattering of games at AFL level in the 90s. And Dean, off the SMS, agree with Nige R.E. The curtain raiser idea should be played more often. Just in terms of the rest of the fixtures, I noticed you got the majority of them are standalone teams against an AFL side. The Lions, of course, take on Williamstown, who have been struggling, which is a bit of a far cry from their 2019 VFL Grand Final appearance and were so close to winning that flag against Richmond. Coburg take on Sydney. Coburg have shown little glimpses, but a lot of the standalone clubs, bar probably Southport and to a lesser extent Frankston, Port Melbourne taking on Southport this weekend as well. Uh, it's interesting with the standalone clubs and there's this debate still going on as to where the VFL as a competition goes. Does it go into a effectively a reserves type setup completely and exclusively? Where does 
does the future stand, do you think, for a lot of the standalone clubs who do have a pretty good supporter base? A lot of their games, there's a decent crowd there, probably more so than the matches involving exclusively AFL reserve sides. But at the same time, where does a balance sit in your view in the future of the competition? To borrow a line from this frequency at 9am on a Monday morning, <laughs> I think there's a few too many snap judgments getting around. Yep. Uh, we've got to remember we've come out of two years where most of these clubs have been lucky to play nine or ten organised games of footy. So you had a wipeout in 20, you had a patchwork season last year, mm. and then you still had a tail of problems this year. So contrast that with an AFL program, and yes, there's some delisted players who've come out of AFL clubs in the last two seasons and are in VFL standalone teams this year. But for the most part, there's a lot of players on a VFL list who've either had no footy or little footy, and on the back of that, little training or no training in the last two years. So that creates a real divide. But also these clubs coming back together effectively is is a big thing as well. So I think you've got to just... Everyone wants to make these sort of, oh, well, if, if you know, Williamstown are struggling, which they haven't sort of done traditionally, and Port Melbourne are out of the, out of the eight at the moment and they're struggling, I think that's, just, that's a bit product of the last couple of years and it's a little bit cyclical too that a little bit like list management at any level they've had a wave of tremendous contributors to their football clubs move on or age and quite simply the turnover of some of these VFL lists if you actually went and put it into an Excel spreadsheet you'd be scrolling a long way down the page to look at the ins and outs and the play movement so the AFL programs have been a, a lot steadier and they've had a lot more continuity so yeah, Williamstown is a case in point. We did their game against Geelong a couple of weeks ago. They have been battered by injury. Like mm. uh, I know Justin Platt very well, and I feel for him and his coaching staff at the moment, and it's only got worse for them. James Cousins went down with a syndesmosis in that match against Geelong, which they were right in until the very, very end of that match. So they're a bit stiff to not be better than the one win they've had on the season so far. Coburg have had a win. They've had some some poor games. Their percentage is reflective of that at the moment as well. But I think we've just got to give these programs, not just this year, I think it's a couple of years of just betting down and everything at sub-AFL level in football terms getting a bit back to normal. We're seeing it in local footy and country footy as well. It's going to take a bit of time for everything to settle, so I think everyone's just got to take a chill pill on some of that stuff. Uh, fair enough, and salient points that you make, Nigel, really well put, and yeah, look, I remember having a look at the Williamstown list, even uh, for round one when they took on North Melbourne, and I think from memory there were eight debutants, there's been a lot of turnover compared to that 2019 season, and a lot of these players too had jobs that might have been affected over the last two years it's different to obviously the comparatively cushioned type situation that AFL players are in in terms of their wages and everything like that so uh, well said Nigel appreciate your time and hopefully you look after yourself after that food poisoning episode and we're here bright and ready for Carlton v Sandringham on Sunday on Channel 7's VFL coverage. No up and about as I said looking forward to a good weekend Flemington Saturday on racing.com and then head out to the footy on Sunday we'll have Brennan Goddard in when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Actual comments with nice. Campbell Brown getting the call up for the AFL game that follows our match between the Hawks and the Lions down in Launceston. Yeah, he'll be sitting next to Matt Hill on the plane, I'm told, so that'll be a fantastic. Imagine being a fly on the wall with that conversation on the flight down. Fantastic, Nigel. The best, mate. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Thanks, Damien. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.